It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Helmets off. I'm Scott Mitchell, your host. Fun show today. Uh, Cam Newton. (laughs) Is he a chameleon? Is he a cat? Does he have nine lives? Well, he's returned to, uh, well, the Panthers. Uh, They're kitty cats, right? Anyways, uh, Cam had a short stay with old Bill Belichick in New England, and that didn't go so well. And this is a guy that's an MVP and uh, been to a Super Bowl, so pretty darn good. What's that going to look like for him in Carolina? And, of course, BYU coach Kalani Sataki has done an amazing job at BYU. Will he stay or will he go? We do not know. But one place he could go, uh, I'll tell you about that today. And then college football playoffs, which is the biggest farce in the world. But it's fun to talk about. It's fun to make fun of. And uh, it hasn't changed much here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, still, you got your SCC schools and you got your Big Ten schools in the uh, old top four there. Uh, that will change because guess what? They all play each other. Uh, well, I'm sorry. What am I thinking? The Pac-12 has a team in there. Oh, we kind of forget the Pac-12. Oregon is number three. They play at Utah on Saturday. And then they probably will play Utah in a couple of weeks. Can they beat a really good team twice? Can Utah beat them? Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? And that poor old Cincinnati. (laughs) We'll talk about how they're never going to get there. All right, let's get started. First of all, thank you so much for joining. And, uh, of course, uh, been doing this a long time, really like it. Uh, We appreciate you dialing us up and listening on in. Uh, Cam Newton, <laughs> he is a blessed person. There, There's certain rules in professional football, and it's kind of when folks are done with you, they are done with you. And no matter how good you are, no matter how many years you might think you could play, it doesn't matter. The NFL is going to tell you what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And, well, Cam Newton is uh, – it looked like was not going to play anymore. And quite frankly, it looked like, I don't know if he, um, if he was, you know, maybe as good as, as back in the old day. Here's the challenge with Cam Newton. Okay. So he, he got picked up by the Carolina Panthers again, which never happens by the way. It's so rare for a player. I mean, I don't know. I can't think of, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I'm sure it's happened, but I can't think of anyone who's done this. There's no way. Because the team goes, we know who you are. We know what you are about, but we don't want it anymore. We've kind of been there, done that. We would rather give birth to a new player than resurrect the dead. So it's a shocking move just in that Cam Newton went there. But here's the problem. Here's one problem. Cam Newton is a quarterback who is a running quarterback. Running quarterbacks have a shelf life. They just do. NFL defenses 
Those guys are trained assassins. They will hit you. They will tackle you. And if you run, and his, and Cam's a big guy, he he can take the shots. But it's just it's just like a, a heavyweight fighter. After a while, the shots just kind of take you, and it it just gets harder and harder to be effective. Quite frankly, I think the advent of the dual threat quarterback is in direct correlation to, I'll say, free agency. Maybe I'll talk about that. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'd save it for another day, but it's really what happened. So Cam is a guy who's more, well, I guess, I guess I might as well talk about it just because he's the guy that's a perfect example of this. Like he can throw the football. Don't get me wrong. This guy can read defenses. He can throw, he can do all these things. But a lot of times these quarterbacks kind of have egos and they're like, oh, well, I can run too. And I'm going to take off and I'm going to run. And I'm going to show you, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to put this on my back. And the the problem is, it just it, it wears you down. The other problem <clears throat> is you don't become a master at throwing the football. When you're a quarterback and you're an NFL quarterback, you you can just dissect the defense if you're amazing. Aaron Rodgers, uh, you've got uh, Drew Brees, you have Aaron, uh, you have Tom Brady, you have Ben Roethlisberger, because Ben Roethlisberger was a little bit like Cam Newton, because he played young, didn't really know what he was doing, kind of ran around with his head cut off until he figured out, you know, how how it was working, and then he dialed into being a drop back passer. Now, you know, Ben, you know, he's he's had a great career, won a couple of Super Bowls, so uh, being able to throw the football, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. All the, all the really good quarterbacks, they don't beat you running the football. Not that the guys I named could beat you running the football, but they don't have to. And they play a long, long time. And they play really, really good. And I just don't think Cam Newton's ever really got that. In fact, I think very few dual threat quarterbacks actually do get it. The guy who got it was Steve Young. Steve Young was was uh, an early version of Cam Newton. The guy that wanted to run was so athletic and could really cause havoc for defenses. And he was, uh, he was a guy that kind of really, really had to take a back seat and really, really was fortunate to be in the right situation where he could learn and he could grow and he could become uh, a Hall of Fame quarterback because he stopped running. Look at all the guys that win Super Bowls. They're not dual threat quarterbacks. They're not. And they don't have long careers, any of them. So what's going to happen to Cam Newton? Probably about what's happened to him in the past. I mean, really, I mean, this guy's, this guy's going to run around like he did. I mean, you saw it in the game. I mean, he doesn't really, he doesn't have a grasp of that offense that he's in right now. He's not going to have a grasp of it in the seven or eight games left in the regular season. But he can run around and make things happen for a short period of time. And I'm sure that's what they're looking for. I highly, highly doubt Cam Rising is, or Cam Newton is coming back to Carolina as this long-term solution for the Panthers. He's a stopgap. And, and maybe, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. I mean, 
there, there have been other quarterbacks, you know, I think of Randall Cunningham, who was really good. Randall Cunningham's kind of the same type of player. Uh, Randall was amazing in Minnesota. He took him to this, took him to the NFC championship, truly was a remarkable player. Uh, but he just, it, it wasn't a long-term solution for the Minnesota Vikings. It just wasn't. So that's, that's that, you know, um, what, you know, Cam, Cam Newton could possibly take this team to the playoffs. He could, you know, I mean, there could be some excitement here. Maybe it extends his career another three years or so, but it's not, it's not going to be long. It's not going to be long-term just because physically I'm not, I'm not sure he'll hold up. I mean, he, he was really, really banged up before. All right, we're going to take a break, uh, but when we come back, Kalani Sataki uh, could be a hot, hot commodity on the college football coaching market if he chooses to do so. There are a lot of changes, a lot of uh, vacancies, and probably more coming up, and I'll explain why all this is happening so quickly with the season still uh, right in the thick of things. Uh, Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Okay, folks, welcome back. Uh, it is Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell here, your host. And there's this uh, thing happening in college football with football coaches, and a lot of big-time programs and a lot of programs in general have basically said, we're getting rid of a guy early. Clay Helton at, at USC, they just said, no, 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 no. We're not going through this again. We need to find a guy. We need to salvage recruiting because that's what's really happening here. Recruiting is earlier. So you got all these commits and now all of a sudden they go, wait a minute, you're fired your coach. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's going to give uh, schools time to hire a person and have enough time to get uh, legitimate recruiting done and potentially transfer portal because that's that's a real thing now uh, candidates uh, in in line and finding the right guy is so important and getting out ahead of it is so important you you look at Mel Tucker and how you know he left uh, Colorado uh, who he kind of you know thought done a decent job with went to Michigan State and really was you know was a was a find has been a gem quite frankly for them so you want to find a guy you want to find a guy early and there, i don't know that there are a lot of them out there but you look at a guy like kalani sataki and he's a guy that could be highly valued byu is a tough place to recruit 
he's the right person to be at BYU. And it's just a question of, is his, is his career about <clears throat> being a great coach or is his career about really being uh, an influencer of people and young men? Because it's, it, it, BYU for him is almost a, a community service, a church service type of, of situation because there, there's probably some higher profile programs that would be very interested in Kalani. I think Washington would be amazing for him. I, I think USC, they would never do it. Uh, I think he'd be amazing at USC, but I don't think they would do it. Uh, Washington, however, would be an amazing spot for Kalani Sataki. Uh, this is a program that uh, can, can have national relevance um, deep pockets, a lot of tradition, great fan base, and you get an energized Washington fan base and you, you really have something. Kalani has shown uh, an amazing ability to develop uh, talent and to recruit the right way, to recruit in challenging situations and kind of having maybe the, you know, the shackles per se taken off of him in recruiting as far as money goes and as far as the types of players that he could uh, bring to Washington, uh, he could really do a lot and probably in a quick order. And not only just that, as far as recruiting goes, but with the transfer portal now, there, there's an a real opportunity to make a huge difference. Take the University of Utah. Cam Rising was at Texas, and he's been a great find for Utah from the transfer portal. Uh, you've got uh, uh, several other players uh, that have that have been good finds for schools. I mean, you've had Heisman Trophy, Trophy winners from the transfer portal. Jalen Hurts was at Alabama, and he went through the portal to Nebraska, or not Nebraska, but um, Oklahoma. And then you have uh, the last, you know, Kyler Murray, and you have uh, uh, others uh, um, who have done this. So. When you're a coach, you can turn a program around quickly. And when you're a guy like Kalani, who's really developed an understanding of Pac-12 football, uh, you, you can make a difference. And I'll tell you a place that wouldn't be a bad spot for Kalani. It wouldn't be there this year. It maybe would be there next year, but probably the year after that in two years. Uh, Utah, which has really risen in the in the Pac-12. I mean, they're they're. Uh, three of the last four years, they'll probably, you know, they're, they're probably going to win the South this year again and go to the Pac-12 championship. So they've been, they've been to the Pac-12 championship game three of the last four years. Last year was a COVID year, very talented team, very young, talented team that will be good for the next two or three years. And if they continue the way they've done in recruiting, they're, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So it's a good place to be, and it might be a really good fit. And it's not out of the realm of the possibility. Kyle Whittingham was an all-conference defensive player of the year at BYU. He's LDS, just like Kalani, and, and he's made an amazing career at, at the arch rival. So um, it's, it's, it's a definite possibility for Kalani Sataki to end up uh, at Utah or, or somewhere else for that matter. Now, BYU is going into the Big 12 and that may be enough to entice Kalani, but still you're gonna be recruiting against a lot of schools. 
you're still going to have those restrictions. You're, you're going to have a power five schedule. Now they've had a tough schedule as an independent, but it's still not a power five schedule. You know, it's three to five power five conference schools, and now it's going to be eight or nine. And that's a big difference. And it's a big difference in attrition. Uh, you need depth and you need talented depth to, to, in order to compete for a year. And you don't have that frontline guys at BYU. Awesome. But the, you know, the backups who it's not like, well, a guy gets hurt and a backup comes in. It's like you rotate guys through during the season. So you have people fresh all year long. So you don't burn people out. Um, and, and they don't have that at BYU. Um, they just don't. They have Tyler Algier and it's a big drop off after him at running back. And, and that wears down. Uh, defensive line is, you know, and they, they play a hyper deep, but it's, it's just having that, that depth really helps you to make it through uh, a, a, a tough competitive schedule and be, and, and, and be able to compete and, and win championships. I think that's something that Utah has kind of been able to build uh, as it's, you know, gone through its, its existence in the Pac-12. So it's important. So can Kalani do that? Is it, is it out there? I don't know. I mean, I mean he's done a tremendous job uh, this season beating every Power 5 school he's faced except for Baylor. And then, of course, they have USC at the end of the year. And normally USC would be a tough team, but USC's a dumpster fire right now. So regardless, he's done a remarkable job at BYU. He's won a lot. And uh, he's, I just think he's a guy that if he wants to go somewhere, he could. And it's just a question of whether he wants to. All right, we're going to take another break, uh, talk about college football playoffs. <laughs> Hey, folks, welcome back. Final segment of the day. It is the college football playoff area of boredom or whatever. This is so stupid. And, uh, and I'll just tell you why it's stupid. I'll just do it right off the bat. Okay. This, the college playoff football poll is stupid. So you have number three, Oregon, and you have number four, Ohio State. And they're there as explained by the, the committee, because Oregon's beat Ohio State. They both have the same record. They have one loss. Oregon lost to Stanford. Ohio State lost to Oregon. So the head-to-head -head mattered, right? Because you, and you want to think that that always matters. Isn't that why we play the game? If I, if I play you and beat you, it probably means I'm better than you. And that's why you have a playoff to find out which teams are the very best because they play each other. And that's kind of, oh, what a concept, right? But in college football, it's like, well, it's subjective. We're, we're going to have this little poll that we think who the good teams are. We don't know because they don't play each other. And so we're going to just kind of decide it on paper. And then we'll get a couple of them together at the end of the year and see what happens. And, and it will always involve the SEC. And then there's everyone else. Clemson was hot. They're not now. And no one cares. Big Ten is up and down. Ohio State's kind of been in the mix. I think if, the, if they could get away with it, they'd have four SEC schools playing in the college football playoffs. I really do. 
I, I think I think it's that arrogant and it's that um, kind of lopsided. And the reality is I don't believe that all the talent exists in the SEC. I just don't. I know there's a lot of guys that end up in the NFL. I get it. But there's a lot of guys that end up in the NFL from other places as well. So here's where it's so stupid. Michigan State beat Michigan. Michigan State and Michigan both have one loss. Michigan State lost to Purdue. Exactly the same thing that happened with Oregon and Ohio State. However, two spots down, or three, because you have Cincinnati at number five. So number six and number seven. Michigan is six. Why? I don't know. They have the same loss record as Michigan State, and Michigan State beat them. What's the difference? And that's my whole point. This is subjective. And it never holds water. What whatever happened to I challenge you and we're gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna resolve this on the field. But no, they just go, yeah, yeah, but but it's kind of different, but it's kind of the same, but it's you know, because this opponent and this time and that and and but but head to head is really important with Oregon and Ohio State. And it's stupid. Well, Michigan State this week plays Ohio State. And Michigan also plays Ohio State. So the Big Ten is going to cannibalize itself. Alabama, who's two. Georgia, who is one. They now are like... Um, now, where the disaster comes is if Alabama beats Georgia. But if Georgia beats Alabama, Alabama should be booted all the way to Greenbow, Alabama, and get on Bubba Gump shrimping boats with Forrest. Because they don't belong there. And they just want to put them there. But they just don't. This isn't their year. They just haven't had a great year. Plain and simple. Get them out. They're done. Oregon, who's number three, plays Utah twice uh plays its rival oregon state who's probably the second best team in the north in the pac-12 they got a tough road so this thing may look stagnant may be like there's no change so then what happens and and here's my point cincinnati's number five you could potentially have two three and four and you could potentially have six and seven I'll lose another game before the season's over. And Cincinnati will still not get in the college football playoffs. Utah beats Oregon, they're out. Let's say Mich Michigan State beats Ohio State. Ohio State's out. Let's say Michigan loses, and then Michigan's out. And then let's say Michigan State loses again, and, and, then, the, and then there's Cincinnati. And they won't put them in. They'll find, and there's really not a lot behind uh, seven, eight, and nine that's like of, of any value. It's like Wake Forest. I mean, maybe Wake Forest makes it into the college football playoffs. And I think, I think the whole world would be up in arms about that. Wake Forest. Uh, so 
this whole subjective thing and this whole, it just doesn't hold water. But man, I'm telling you, the whole college football world could be turned upside down in a matter of two or three weeks. Or everyone could just keep winning and it won't change. But one thing will be certain, Cincinnati, poor old Cincinnati, who's now gonna be a power five team, going to the big 12, uh, they're gonna be left out. And uh, it's unfortunate because I'd like to see how they fared against at least one of these schools. They almost beat Georgia a year ago. All right, folks, uh, Helmets Off is now off. You can find us on Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. Of course, we're powered by kslsports.com. Until then, we'll see you then. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.